Welcome to Beautifully Bloomed, the podcast where we explore how to break you out of the box of rules and beliefs that are holding you back from the life you are meant to live. I'm your host, Rebecca Turville. Join me as I share mindset tools, coaching conversations, and human design to help you uncover your unique gifts and create the life, relationships, and business you desire. So today I have April Porter with me, and she's going to talk about her book she wrote, which is about two topics that are interesting, parenting and human design. So welcome, April. I'm so happy to have you back. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And oh, yeah. And then I want to remind my audience that April was on the projector podcast. So you can go back and I don't remember what number that was, but she was part of the projector panel when we had talked about projectors. And April, I got so many good comments from that podcast episode. Like people are like, oh, I'm thinking about my child differently. Like they weren't even projectors necessarily that were listening to it, some of them, but others were. And there were so many good things to learn. I'm so happy we did that. That's wow. interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was a good time. Like everybody had such great things to, to add and, and say. I knew. And I learned, I learned so much because, you know, when you're not a projector yet, yeah, I have a projector child, but when you're not a projector, you don't know these things about projectors as much, right? Cause it's not your lived experience. So um, I just had, I learned so many things and I know how wise project. I love that. Like, I love hearing from projectors, like this is the way we are I'm like, really <laughs> so fascinating. Um, but I'm just curious. So now you wrote a book and I'm wondering when did you have this idea that you wanted to write a book? Like when did that happen? Yeah, I, I actually didn't really plan that. It was a funny thing that happened. So last year, um, we have a couple of friends who had babies and we got to see the babies finally. And it was after meeting one of them and talking to the parents a little bit about human design who had already been familiar with it. Um, I came home and I was like, I wanted to put together something for her about her, her child and to support her on her journey. And I started writing and all of a sudden I had like 3000 words and I, thought, well, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I want to tell her. And so I just kept writing and then it just kept like doubling and doubling and doubling. And all of a sudden I had like 80,000 words and I was like, for one person, well, it kind of just was like, well, this could be applied to a lot of people. So I kind of shifted focus and was like, what if I just make this more broad? And then maybe this could be something I offer to people. Right. And then it just kind of was like, I think I just wrote a book and what do I do with it? (laughs) So did you feel in any way, I mean, I'm just thinking of you as a projector, did you like feel energetically invited to write the book? Like, how did that, like, how did that feel strategically? You know what I mean? I did. Um, I think there was so much interest from the parents that I was super engaged and excited in that energy. And then as I was writing, it was like, it was almost like I wasn't writing it. I was just kind of channeling a lot of the word guidance kind of comes up, but I don't know if that's the word I really want to use. It just, it just felt like it all came together and it, it, I wrote it in like five weeks. Like it just, yeah. Did, did I don't remember. So what is your, like, are you a splenic projector or what are, or what I'm are an emotional projector. You are emotional. I'm just curious, like where these things come from. So like, what's your, your son? Like, what is that? Your, like your life's work. Like my, my sun gate, it's in seven, seven, which is, and quantum human design is collaboration. Mm. 
Interesting. No, I'm just, I'm trying to put the pieces together. Like how does this. Right. And my conscious earth is in 13. Hmm. Which is leadership. Oh, it's story, isn't it? Story. Mm -hmm. Like I always think of 13 story, 33, right? Isn't there 33, 13 kind of story. Right. Yeah. Right. So 13 is, is connected, um, um, to the, the G center. Yeah. So it's almost like you need, you feel grounded and good in your energy when you're telling story or you're talking maybe, or writing stories or passing them along. Yeah. Yeah. Story is a really interesting thing to me. It's like taking the ideas that people have and looking at them and saying, well, what about this? Or what about this other perspective? And and tell me why. I'm so curious. Why? You know, why, why do we behave the way we do? Yeah. And so this, so you started writing just for one baby or two, or like, were there one or more kids that you were? There were two, but we had just visited one and that was kind of really what inspired it. And so when you wrote the book, did you think, so you're writing towards this one or one or two, and now it's like, well, wait, I should cover all the types and, or what does the book cover? Like, tell us the name of the book. What's the name of the book? Yeah. So the name of the book is Parenting the Child You Have, Reimagining the Parent-Child Relationship Through the Lens of Human Design. And so it goes through type, strategy, authority, profile. I talk a little bit about um, digestion types. So that's an element of uh, design that is part of the primary health system. And it's not something that um, we talk about in quantum human design, but I found it to be really, really useful for the parents that I've worked with. And when I, when I work with that element, I, I kind of take it as like, here's some information. Now go play with it and see if it's true for you and your child. Cause you know, looking at it through that lens, it's not like you, you need to eat this many vegetables or you need to eat this uh, <laughs> ratio of food. It's more like, how are you eating? Where are you eating? You know, what environment are you eating in? And that can make a big difference for a child. Yeah, I I have learned a bit about the primary health system before joining the human quantum human design group. And it was interesting because mine was like one thing at a time. Oh, mine too. I guess. I mean, yeah, I can see that. But then I'm like, okay, I should never eat salad, never have a sandwich, never have a smoothie again. And I'm like, okay, this is not how we use human design. Right? Just not like, this is the rule now. And you can't ever do that again. I mean, because that's where I think the fear is about like, I don't want to use human design as a book of rules. Because now I'm restricted again, whereas I want to use human design as an expansive tool. Is that how you use it with parents, like helping them? Yeah. Yeah. So coming at it from that lens of curiosity, right? So this is what's, this is the energy in the chart. How does it show up in your life? How does it show up in your child? And what does it look like if you get curious about embracing this element of the chart, you know? So like with, with digestion, this consecutive eating, eating one thing at a time, like that was my, my pattern or it is my pattern. And as a child, I actually ate that way. I would literally eat one food on the plate until it was gone and then eat the next thing and then eat the next thing. And they couldn't touch. Like I was very particular. That is about one it. thing I have to say that agreed with me. I was like, yeah, I do not like my food when it touches on my plate. I'm like, Ooh, you got it. You can't have that mixed with that. And you know, yeah. Thanksgiving was a nightmare for me. I was like, no, not all on one plate. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. And I learned what I learned about that is I just ate a lot less at Thanksgiving than a lot of other people because I would have my little pile of potatoes and then my little turkey over here. Like it's not allowed to touch the potato. Yes, I get that. So I can see how that does kind of relate to how I feel about food. But then on the other hand, I love sandwiches and I love you know, it's like all the stuff put together, right? Like I love salad dressing that goes on the salad, you know? So, so then it's weird that I couldn't really, for me, I couldn't make those things work necessarily in my life. Right. So that was interesting, but. So that element really is, you know, in, in human design, they say that that element is really prevalent until about age 30. So the first Saturn return and then environment becomes more important, but so what I noticed is that I grew out of that. Like I, I do still kind of prefer to eat simple foods one thing at a time often, but I do like salads and soups and all kinds of things that are combined. They're all mixed. <laughs> but, but, you know, if we have this idea as an adult that, oh, you have to mix these things, these go together and we're telling our child to eat that. And the child is not designed to eat that way. And they naturally want to eat just the blueberries by themselves and not put it in the yogurt, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. if we can allow them to do that, that gives them more freedom. It gives them the ability to say, Hey, this is what's true for me. This is what makes me feel good. Totally. I, and I remember one, so one of my human design mentors talked about how her child loved to like dance around the table at dinner time, And I, that was one of the aspects, right? And I don't remember which one it was, but she said, ah, I just let her do it. You know what? She likes to dance around during dinner. I'm not going to sit there and make her sit at the table and eat quietly and be quiet. And, you know, I'm like, huh? Yeah. It kind of gave me like a new feeling of, oh yeah, my daughter who my daughter is a generator, however. And it's so funny because I haven't thought about these things for a long time, but she, definitely does not like you talking to her while she's eating. So she's very, she likes that quiet, like very quiet. She likes it to be quiet. <laughs> and it's super hard for me being a Gemini manifesting generator. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I, I want to have conversation during dinner, but I've, what I've recognized is she needs that space to just quietly eat. And she would rather it was quiet. So I, I, I have recognized in some ways that it can be helpful to know what your child, what do they feel the best in and allow it, like allow it to be. You know? Yeah. And, and so you can look at digestion with learning too, right? So how are you taking in information? Somebody with consecutive digestion, it's like, we need to do one thing at a time. Which is hard as a manifesting generator, that right? It's really hard for me. <laughs> like, yeah. so you could have multiple things that you're doing, but like focusing on one, maybe shutting all those 4,700 other browser windows while you're working on that one thing, or like tuck them away and just look at the one window. <laughs> right. So it creates less overwhelm, probably, right? Because I am, I tend to find the curiosity. My brain wants to go over there and over there, right? It's like, that overwhelm and that, that undefined head space too, maybe. And, and the gate 11 of ideas, which is all coming to me at the same time. So yeah, I get it totally. So what you're saying is that, and I know I feel like we're getting real detailed here, but it's like that food thing maybe goes a little bit away, but it still might apply in other things. Like you said, the digestion of information, right? Learning. Yeah. So, so fascinating. So some people might need a lot of noise and dancing around while they're learning (laughs) and that helps them to learn. (laughs) Right. So, you know, those kids that are like, I need my music 
blaring so that I can study it. And the parent who has quiet or calm, you know, digestion is like, whoa, no, 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 you need quiet. <laughs> like, right. like, no, you- I need it loud. <laughs> Maybe that's right for them. Right. This reminds me of me in college up in the third floor of the Michigan Tech Library, way in the corner, the, the quiet floor where there's no distractions, right? So it's like, and and I drag my, so my husband, who was at my boyfriend at the time, drag him up there. He got better grades because he had to study with me. <laughs> but like, honestly, I could not handle all the distraction and noise and all the stuff going on on the lower floor of the library. I couldn't do it, right? So that is another probably example of how I did better taking information in that way, right? Just being able to quiet. I love that. I still love that. I actually go to my community library sometimes and do that for a day, like for like three hours, I'll do a three hour work block where I'm just there to work on one thing in a, in a little space, a room, you can go in a room and shut the door. Um, and it's just getting out of my environment and being focused on something in a quiet space. So I, I see how that can be helpful for kids. If you could determine their learning type, but then this is interesting. So how do you work with parents to talk about like in school, right? So if you're in a classroom, well, how does this work with parenting and helping them with their kids and their human design type and all of that? Yeah. I mean, that can be a little more difficult, but we can look at their type. We can look at their strategy and authority and all of those pieces, because those are going to be the bigger elements, right? And then if some, if a child has a defined head and Ajna versus open or an open root center and feeling a lot of pressure, you know, there's a lot of different variables that we can look at. And so usually when we address those things and, and have them open that communication with the teacher and not getting like human design talk on them, but, you know, talking about my, my child really does best when these are the conditions. Is there a way that I can help support getting that met so that they're not a distraction or they're working better or, you know, what's the, what's the um, benefit to the teacher? Right. So if a teacher has more control over her class, if she's asking those questions that are, you know, maybe they need those yes, no questions because they're a generator type and you're asking all these open ended questions and the kid's like, I don't know. I'm so overwhelmed by what you're asking me. You know, they're not going to get very far. So I think, you know, looking at how do we communicate with them and then what environment do they need to be in? If they have an open G center, are they sitting in an area of the classroom that feels really yucky to them? Because they're not going to learn well there. Yeah. I mean, I often wish, what would it have been like if I had known my kids' types back when they were in school? Because I didn't really learn any of this until, well, I guess when my daughter was the sophomore, I started studying human design. But even then, like, I wasn't really thinking about it in that way for her. I was just like being more aware of, oh, you know, this is who we all are. This is why we interact the way we do. But yeah, that's so fascinating. I think it could be such, I always thought that could be such an interesting thing if a teacher knew like individually, like which students were like what, right? What is the kid in the back or back of the room always trying to get attention? I wonder if he has an open throat, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Think, oh. <laughs> you know, right. so. So if we can't arm our teachers with that information yet, we can arm our parents with that information who can then communicate to the teachers what they need. Yeah. 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 So that's, so the point of the book at first you were inspired because you're like, Oh, I, these babies are being born. And wouldn't it be great if I could, you know, give their parents this gift of like, Hey, your child 
blah, blah, blah. And then it turned into talking about all the things, right? (laughs) And in five weeks, he wrote the book, which actually I have to say that books can come pretty easily if you're feeling inspired to write. Because I know I wrote a book like in within 27 days, my first draft was done. But it's like, when you have the inspiration to write it, and I think there's so many people that either get writer's block, or I saw so many fellow authors, right, that would just like, drag this thing out forever. And I'm thinking, either they're not working in the environment they need to, or they don't really feel inspired, because it was easy for me to sit down and write it It was waiting. That's what it sounds like for you, like it was waiting to come out. Right. Did you feel like I felt like this pressure, like, oh my gosh, I just have to write it down. And yeah. boom, it was out. It was like, oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> you know? Well, and it was different um, than any other writing process that I've been through because I could sit down at any point in time with my kids making noise or anything else, or I could just be in the car, like waiting for them and like typing. Like I could just pick up where I left off. And I thought, this is so bizarre. Like normally I'm like, where was I? What's going on? Like, what was I thinking? And it was just like, I could sit down and write. So your process was different than mine because what I did, and this is off, maybe off topic, but not really. It's about books, right? So it's like, what I did is I just set aside 30 minutes every morning. The first thing I did was write for 30 minutes. And in 27 days, I had my rough draft, right? But before I did the writing, I already had done some setting up of like, here's the structure of it, right? I had thought about that stuff before, but, but I just thought I'm just going to write for 30 minutes every morning. And that was like what happened. And that's how I got my rough draft done. And it just felt good to me to have a consistent practice. And for you, what happened is you just picked it up wherever you were. Mm-hmm. I have gate 15. <laughs> I have gate 15 defined. So it's like, you know, I have this, this thing that I'm working on, but maybe I'll do it now. Maybe I'll do it later. And you know, emotionally defined. How do I feel right now? Do I feel inspired? And so, oh, interesting. And I, yeah, I'm, I would be curious to see how that worked with my chart because I'm emotionally defined also. Um, I'm not really sure why it had to be so, but it just had to be, I just couldn't do it any other way. I had to make, I had to make a plan. I had to stick to it. I don't have gate five. (laughs) I don't have gate 15. So I I lose creativity when I feel like it has to be a certain way or a certain time. Like I have to have the freedom to just see what happens. In fact, that's why I quit art school was because there was this demand to like, you have to create a logo and it has to be this and that and the other by tomorrow at 4 PM. And I'm like, Whoa, 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 this is just too much. Yeah, (laughs) I don't feel like this is fun anymore. (laughs) Well, it does have to be fun. I agree with that. I can't do things that aren't fun. (laughs) I mean, I can, I have done a lot of things that aren't fun, but it just, why bother? It's harder. Yeah. It's harder. It's just drains my energy. I think that's what happens. So, so you, okay. And so this was the process. You did this first draft in like five weeks and then you brought it to a publisher or. Um, So there was actually, so Grace Point, um, the publisher was actually doing a, um, a challenge like about publishing books. And it happened to line up with the time that I started writing this. I was like a week or so into it. And I was like, well, maybe I'll join that and see what happens. And so it just kind of like, it all evolved from there and everything kind of lined up correctly. And it was like, yeah, this feels like the right thing to do. That's when, you know, it must've been divine timing, right? It's like, oh, it all worked out the way it was supposed, you know, I mean, whatever was supposed to happen. I know we're not trying to 
supposed to try to figure it out, but like, oh, when it feels easy and it feels good and the timing is right, it's just all flows. Yeah. And I mean, this, this book was really, you know, I wish that I had this when my kids were born, that would have been amazing. Right. Like there's so many things that I look back on now and I'm like, wow, if I had known that one of my children was emotionally defined and the other one was open, but has like five hanging gates, (laughs) that would have changed a lot. Yes. That's amazing. Right. And so what do you, what do you find the differences between your kids who are one is non-emotional one's emotional? Well, they're both projectors. So that makes a difference. (laughs) A lot of projector energy around this house. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say that the emotionally defined one has her own process for sure. She's in her wave and she's, she's kind of doing her thing. I have an emotional wave. We're the only two in the home that has that. And so we can kind of throw around those emotions and like process them a little bit easier with each other. But when we're in that and it comes out and somebody else is around that's undefined, they definitely feel it. So, you know, I think that that has been a a big learning piece for us is like, okay, you and I can have this release and it's okay. Cause we don't take it so personally. Whereas the emotionally open people kind of take that in. It's like, well, what did I do? Why are you, why are you being like this? What's wrong? You know? And sometimes there's that wanting to fix it too, energy. And it's like, no, we just need to like, let this move through us. Yeah. That's, it is interesting because I am emotionally defined. My daughter who is 18 now is not, and she still lives in our home. And I just noticed how, much my emotional wave does actually affect her. (laughs) It's like, oh, like she starts stomping around and I'm like, uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I should just go hide in my room for a while and just kind of let the wave settle down. Right. It's sometimes it's just too much, you know, and, and we need to be separate depending on where I am in my emotions. Um, and my husband also has an emotional wave, but I've been trying to figure him out because yeah, I, I definitely am ready to experience all my emotions, you know, but he can, he like tries to, I think, hold his in and shut his down more than I do. Right. So it's interesting, the differences between all of us, but um, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, having one child who feels that wave and is just expressing it. And then the other one who's amplifying it looks like the most emotional person in the whole house. And it's like, what is going on with you? And then when I found human design, it was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. What's going on with me? First of all, <laughs> what's going on with your sister and anyone else or what else has kind of affected you? Well, it's kind of like, uh, as you said that it's almost like she, those people with that undefined emotional center can actually be a mirror to you. As this is the word that just came to my head. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm looking at her going, oh, what am I feeling today? Because, you know, look at how she's acting right now. Um, there's something going on here, right? And that's, it's been very, a reflective process for me. And she's been very wise to it. I know she's told my husband while they're driving, when he's upset about, she's like, dad, when you get upset, I totally feel it. Like she'll be telling yes. him. So, so she's, you know, it's it's good to like, teach your kids this stuff because it helps them know that there's nothing wrong with you. If you're getting really affected by whatever the emotional energy is around you, there's nothing wrong with you. It's exactly. Okay, you know, exactly. my youngest, the one who's emotionally open, she will come home from school and she will say, I just need to go be by myself in my room for a while. Cause I've, 
been around a lot of people or if there's a lot going on in our house, it's like, I just need a break. This is feeling like a lot. And she knows that she can take herself out and it's okay. And we go check on her, you know, but like she knows that she can have that space for herself. Whereas before I knew about human design, I probably would have gone in there and said, no, come out and join us. We want you out here. What are you doing in here? Why are you all alone? You know? Right. And And you worry about these things. Yeah. Yeah. And it allows you to let them have their process. Yes. Yes. That's what I love about human design. And I, I would love to do that more with my kids, but I mean, I've just started, this is funny about me, right? I found out about it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I started telling clients about it and all the things before even talking to my family about it, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I was learning all about it and I just let them be in the dark for a while, but it's interesting. I think that, um, what I, whenever I have a reading with a client, I'm like, and go find out what your husband's chart is, what your kid's chart. It's going to be super interesting for you to find that out because now you know some things. I mean, even knowing their types is freeing, right? It's like, oh, (laughs) just like a big, wow. Okay. Right. I get it. And there was so many unanswered questions before. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they know all of it. They know about it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes you get to know like their friends, like your kids' friends and their birthdays and their design. And that's really interesting too, because when my youngest was in like kindergarten, she had a friend and I saw this little girl kindergarten, right? Five years old, get off the bus one morning and then just take off from school. And I was like, where is she going? Like, Somebody needs to go get her. Like, was she a manifestor? She's like, hey, she is. <laughs> she is. But at the time I was like, I don't know if, if she's such a good influence. Or is she going to take you away from school? Like, is she going to, are you going to wander off and go do something that you're not supposed to be doing? And then I found this out and I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She's just following her creative impulse. Like what is good? She probably saw something on the bus and she's like, I gotta go check that out. You know? So that was so freeing. It's like, oh my goodness. She's just being herself. Mm. I can imagine that keep her safer, but (laughs) right. That's I'm, I'm imagining how, like, I have some parents I know that are parents of manifestors. I don't have any manifestors in my house, but I can imagine that might be really difficult, (laughs) like to have a manifestor child. Right. But, but that's why you help teach them to inform, right? So the informing is to make it easier for them. But when they're little, it's also to help you kind of gauge, like, are they going to do something that's going to be really, you know, not great? (laughs) Can I, can I steer this a different direction? Yeah. 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 I mean, cause you want to encourage that power. Like you want to empower them. Right. Cause I have had so many manifestor clients as adults who are like, I'm like, wait, you're a manifester, right? Like they're, they can't almost can't grab that power back. They've given it away. They feel defeated. You know, they felt shut down and it's interesting. So if you could empower them as children, wow. Right. The greatness that's, that exists for them. Oh my gosh. So I can see that we could talk about this all day. (laughs) It's just like, there's so much. So what I'm encouraging everybody to do is go read April's book and we're going to put a link to it in the show notes. Um, So tell us like, where can, is it on Amazon? Is it anywhere else? Is it just Amazon or is it in the bookstores? Where is it? It's in bookstores. It's on Amazon, um, Amazon Kindle for 
Yeah. Is so it just, on audiobook too? No, it's not on audiobook. You know, I would encourage you to do that. I did that. I got mine on Audible. Yeah. So it's fun, right? I, I hired an actress even to read it. <laughs> so um, it was really fun. Yeah. People, people love audiobooks, I guess, because I keep selling audiobooks. Um, so yeah, it's, but the bookstores, is it like in Barnes and Noble or what bookstores? are? It's on their about? website. So I don't know if it's actually going to be in the store if you go there, but you can purchase it through Barnes and Noble. On their website. That's amazing. Target. Congratulations. It's in Target or is it on Target's website? On Target's website. Yeah. That's amazing though, really. So congratulations, April. I'm really happy that you've, you've um, finally, right. Gotten this out into the world. Cause I know it took a little bit, right. There's all, the well, it was really quick actually, but like, oh, my undefined root center, like <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> I know exactly right now. Let's get it done. So, okay. We can find it. We'll put the link in the show notes and yes, I think it's a great resource for parents. So thank you so much for joining us to tell us all about it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go subscribe so that you get notified of all the future goodies that are coming along. While you're there, please leave me a review and let me know what you think. So excited to share this with you and can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye.